Welcome to Game Mechanics, a show about tabletop role-playing games from lots of different perspectives. I'm Logan Jenkins. Today, I'm talking to the androgynous Android game show host from the future, Nathan Blades. I wanted to talk to him about one-page RPGs and games as permission. His one-page RPG, Agents of Hue, is about queer spies using gadgets to solve very silly mysteries. Basically, a very gay version of Austin Powers. We talk about that, the strength of brevity in RPGs, imposter syndrome as a creator and DM, saying fuck the tabletop police, and way more. Let's get to it. So, hey, Nathan, what's up? Hi, uh, <laughs> I am absolutely delightful, thank you. Thank you for having me on your shiny new podcast. Oh, thanks for being on my shiny new podcast. <laughs> oh no, for real, for real. I mean, like, okay, so the tabletop RPG community is not super large so usually when people kind of mention certain shows especially if they overlap in certain like themes and interests vis-a-vis being like queer as all get out uh Mm -hmm. you hear of them (laughs) so i'm kind of like yeah i know very random encounter i really enjoyed all their previous stuff especially their christmas fiasco one that was super good um and then i'm like recording with you on my projects and then on your projects i'm like oh this is super nice i'm into it (laughs) i love it i love it (laughs) <laughs> so uh do, would you like to tell the listeners all about nathan who i be yes yeah. yes hi i am your androgynous android game show host from the future nathan blades i am a podcaster a tabletop rpg amateur writer and uh all around cool dandy guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> Does it count as amateur if you've actually released a game that is, like, for sale? I mean, yeah, I guess the literal definition of professional is that you're paid to do the thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I, I guess uh, I haven't been, like, enlisted, well, I, I guess recently I have been enlisted to go write tabletop stuff, but I was doing it for the love of the art, you must believe me. <laughs> I'm authentic. <laughs> Well, maybe we can unpack all that later. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you can be authentic and get paid. That's oh fine. no, no, no! I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of poking fun. You know, when there's certain artists, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. you're not really doing art unless you're doing it entirely from the burning depths of your soul, while poor and on this. N- nah, nah, pay me. <laughs> oh, Absolutely you can pay feed me. yourself. I thought you were a real artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, you mentioned you've uh, written a game. Agents of Hue, I played it. It was amazing. It was the first time, as as an adult, the first time I was like, I think a n- new Austin Powers movie might be fun to, to have happen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they recently released a new Charlie's Angels movie and literally no one went to go see it. So maybe right, this is yeah. the time for a revival that we need. Um, <laughs> yes, I uh, my, my first ever uh, tabletop RPG like writing project designed for general consumption was Agents of Hue. It is a one-page RPG inspired by the self-same of Grant Howitt, the guy who did Honey Heist, as well as The Spire and recently The Heart. I was inspired by one in particular called Hack the Planet, uh, based on the movie Hackers, which you absolutely must see if you haven't. Um, It is incredibly gay without at all meaning to. The fashion choices (laughs) in it are astounding. Nice. Uh, but yes, that that is a game where you are a super cool teen hacker who's rebellious. Uh, but what I found really fascinating about the game is that it had two stats, meat space and cyberspace. 
and uh, you use those two things to do literally everything and i'm like that's so elegant in in like yeah. rpg systems where you have like six stats and 20 skills and this is just a thing where you roll one of two things and like good <laughs> i was uh talking to a a fellow tabletop rpg fellow Ozcore, who is the uh, GM of Join the Anarchy and various I other projects. Oz. Yeah, Oz is great. <laughs> I uh, I very uh, shyly sent them uh, a Twitter DM at some point early last year, being like, I, I, I'd really like to interview you, please. I think your work <laughs> is really cool. Uh, and we had a nice chat about about tabletop and improv. Oh man, I should definitely interview Oz. <laughs> oh, you you gotta you gotta. Uh, he'll he'll be down for it too. He's a cool guy. Um, but he was talking about at the end of it, we were kind of talking about um, if we had infinite time and infinite money, what kind of thing would he make? And he was like, I want to make a video game, and it's like a dating sim RPG where you're all spies and fashion has really intricate ties to your stats. And we had a fun time discussing that. And then after the record, I was like. Should I just like make that? Should I just make a one-page <laughs> RPG based on that idea? Because that sounds like dope as hell. Uh, can we swear on this podcast? Hell, fucking yeah! You yeah, it's dope as fuck. <laughs> I saved myself earlier, but I shouldn't. Yeah, it's all good. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I put that together and was like, "This is uh, this is silly," and then ran it for some friends, and I was like, "Oh no, it good." I, I enjoy running and playing this. And then it kind of turned into a whole thing. <laughs> it was a total blast. And having you run the game for me, that was really, that's like intimidating for me to want to run it, but I do want to play it some more because <laughs> you're <laughs> very good at what you do. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure all GMs have crippling imposter syndrome about um, the quality of their performances. Whenever, I, and I'm sure you've had this too, right? Where you pause for a second because you can't quite remember a piece of information or you might be playing with a soundtrack and you're fumbling getting the music bot to do what you need it to. And it only in real time is maybe about less than five seconds, maybe 10 seconds at a stretch, but in your head, it's like five hours. Absolutely. That happens to me all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a lot of that during the live stream that I had with you and Oz and Grant Howitt. Oh no, you couldn't have been snappier. I, oh, yeah. I, you, you <laughs> It's it's all it's all within these ears, right? It's all within the dome. <laughs> and then on the other side, you're like, oh no, I had a good time, and everybody had a good time. So that's all that really matters. But yeah, no, running it for you guys was fantastic. It definitely um, checks a, a bucket list checkbox off. I, I want to either play for or run, like play in or run an RPG session for all the tabletop people that I really admire. Aww. Eventually, wow. <laughs> I uh, I am honored to have been a person in on that list. That's <laughs> um, I hope yeah. You, I hope you get to. I hope you get to run like everybody through all the stuff. Get Matt Colville on your. On your I, I've, I've actually I've never actually I've never really um, super engaged with Matt Colville's stuff. I respect his work. I respect the hustle, mm. but I kind of run on a uh, strictly no D and D policy. Hell yeah, that's a great policy. I think <laughs> mm, I'm I'm not a high fantasy person, unfortunately. There, there are many complex reasons why, and maybe we'll discuss them later, or maybe we're not ready for that kind of tea to sip <laughs> at the moment. Um, but in general, I'm kind of like I want to explore different genres and different avenues. I love cyberpunk and I love urban fantasy. Those are my two primary genres. Nice. So I tend to explore those whenever I can. Huh. Well, this seems like a good jumping off point to ask you what. Uh, what is your favorite mechanic in any game? Ooh, uh, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, I think at the moment, 
my favorite um, just singular mechanic is how the playbooks work in Cities of Mist. Uh, are you familiar with the system? Uh-huh, yes. Yes. Oh, no, you've run it before. That's right. Duh. Yeah, we had a mini season with uh, the Broadswords. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, this is Logan editing in the future. I realize I have familiarity with City of Mist, but perhaps you, the listener, do not. So I wanted to take a little bit of time here, uh, separate from that interview, and explain it a bit. So City of Mist is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. So you roll 2d6 to determine outcomes. It could be a full success, a partial success, or a failure, depending on what your role is. Anyway, the theme there is it's sort of like a noir setting, and everybody plays normal humans that have within them some sort of god or higher being or something that gives them superpowers. And the game has this fun thing where you're struggling to be a normal human and also what it means to have superpowers. And the more you use your powers, the more you just become that super being and less human. So you have to sort of manage how that manifests, how much you leverage your powers and how much you tend to your normal life. Uh, It's really interesting. You should check it out. City of Mist. Anyway, back to the show. Yeah, I really like how the playbooks in that work, where you choose about the balance of you being mundane uh, versus being a myth and the constant interplay between those. Your character sheet literally can change at minimum a quarter of itself at any Mm -hmm. time. And it gives you really uh, a dynamic way to visually see character growth as you change narratively. So do you mechanically. Um, I really like that there are no stats and it's just calling in your particular strengths into augmenting your roles or detrimenting your roles, depending. I, I yeah. find that really, really unique way to engage with the played by the apocalypse system, powered by the apocalypse system, rather. Yeah, it was good. Uh, um, I had... <laughs> so I was uh, Ganondorf when <laughs> we played that yes. season. Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of his tags ended up being like all powerful because he had the the Triforce, and I just was like I I feel like uh, this one gets added to every role, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, r- r- rules is written. Uh, the, the game has been went on initial read because that's a big book. I like the system, but that book is too large, and yeah, the people right. that wrote it did nothing to make it smaller. In fact, they split <laughs> it into two large books instead, which didn't help. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, I think Rules is written, there's a whole thing about kind of making GM judgment calls and how often your traits are being used. For example, you can only call on them once per scene, which I think is a very Ooh, elegant good, way of yeah. using it. Because if this was like a film, noir, movie, or book, or whatever, um, while you're likely to see the character's strengths be used repeatedly throughout the story, you're unlikely to see multiple gun shootouts in one scene. He might just yeah. profess his handiness with a pistol in one scene and then again later and that's a good way of throttling that i think yeah hey wow you just fixed a thing in city of mist how about that (laughs) they should pay me to do some stuff with them too (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that'd be a big job wow (laughs) uh, so that's your favorite mechanic is city of Mm -hmm. mist your favorite game or is do you have a different I don't think I've run City of Mist enough yet to kind of qualify it as my favorite game. I definitely intend to run it more in 2020. I have these big uh, visions of doing a uh, Persona-inspired mystery-solving campaign streamed in 2020. Uh, There's lots of things to sort about it still. But City of Mist was the kind of premier choice to run that in, so I'm going to be very, very familiar with it by the end of next year. Yeah, because that is is what a Persona is, is like you're... It's the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
yeah, you balancing your mundane you're... with your with your mystical, and also uh, engaging with your daily life while trying to hide the fact that you're incredibly weird. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's I can't believe that. That's yeah. I mean, like it's it's sort of like a slanted look at City of Mist, but like Persona basically is that system. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for real. So I, I think that will that'll be blend quite well. But in terms of like favorite system, that's a really difficult question because I, I like exploring lots of different ones. Um, I will uh, mm, I, I can actually say that my favorite system, one that I've used a lot and really like because I've used Shadow and Anarchy a lot for some of my work, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite by any stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Is a system called Net Battlers, uh, made by one Will Yule. It is a fan made game based on the Mega Man Battle Network series uh, of was, video games. I was like, that sounds like Mega Man Battle Network, but there's no way it could possibly be that great. And then it oh, was that. It, it absolutely <laughs> is. It absolutely is. Uh, Will kind of cut his teeth on making tabletop RPGs based around turning uh, pop culture properties and condensing them into tabletop RPGs, trying to get the essence of what makes the media great and then turning that into game mechanics. So he wanted a game about the relationship between between you and your AI best friend, the daily life of that. Nice. So it's built around that. It still does the net battling combat stuff, but it's decentralized a little bit to have more social things in it, oh. um, which I really like because I'm not really one for extended combats in my things. It can do that, but Same. it's not my, my personal jam. I kind of was involved in, or I was approached about it in its like really, really early alpha stage, and I've been kind of across it as he's been developing it as a thing and then been using that as a springboard to making RPGs he can actually sell because he sure as hell can't sell an <laughs> RPG uh, based on an existing intellectual property because he knows better than that. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can you can obfuscate it, right? Like, there, there's there's be... some filing the name off involved that you could feasibly yeah. do, but I think part of it is being able to kind of look at the actually really shiny PDF that you did for it and then seeing a nice render of, like, Heat Man or, like, a <laughs> cross change on it and being like, yes, this is what I was expecting. Right. But yeah, I've been I've been playing that on and off for for for, for quite a while. I've been run uh, and offline and unrecorded, unfortunately. Oh no, that's a lie. The first ep- the first session of it, the session zero and session one, uh, re-recorded for YouTube just as a this is how to do a session zero in a tabletop RPG for like referencing for other people. Nice. Yeah, cool. We it was uh, an entirely mystery focused campaign called the Strange Tales of Mainframe City Academy because of course. Huh. Uh, and it was just me kind of testing out how to do various types of mysteries in tabletop format because that's a thing that I was really I've been really fascinated in recently because it's quite hard to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I I really want to run a season of VRE mm-hmm. where there's like a big central mystery that they have to figure out over the course of many episodes. But yeah, that's it, the, every time I try, like I really want it to be like sort of a Twin Peaks season and. Ooh. But that's like such a tall order when I when I sit down to try and be like, well, how is this going to go? And it's just like very overwhelming. So I'm I'm also very interested in how to run a mystery. We'll we'll, we'll talk we'll talk after the show. I'll show you some documents. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give you my big cork conspiracy board with lots of po- like Polaroid photos and red string to show I'm you so how excited. all of these ideas connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> no, but in general, I, I really find like uh, mysteries really fascinating. Yeah, and. There are some systems that exist specifically for them, like, say, Bubble Gumshoe or mm-hmm. um, the other actual Gumshoe games, like uh, Knight's Black Agents, but I prefer the fluffier teen-focused <laughs> stuff than grim and gritty things. Yeah. 
or oh, what's some, well City of Mist is also a mystery solving game there's actually a really really large section in the rule book about talking how to do mysteries one way yeah I definitely I like their uh that big chart that that that's one of the reasons to get City of Mist in my mind is like a, a really nice way to create a bad syndicate of people you know mm-hmm. it's it's genuinely fascinating reading um yeah mm-hmm but uh, yeah, exploring the, you know, there's lots of tabletop RPGs out there that do mysteries specifically and have mechanics for them. Um, but I'm like, well, you can do a mystery in anything if you wanted to, if you're just are willing to kind of do a bit of rejiggering yeah. and deprioritizing of other things. And it's quite fascinating to put them together. I don't know. <laughs> weird weird <laughs> nerd hobby on top of my existing nerd hobby. I love it. So we've talked a little bit about the um, your Agents of Hue, mm-hmm. and I I think... Sometimes all I need from a game is for it to give me permission to uh, occupy a space, mm. which is why I think like one page RPGs are really amazing because they get that done in a very small amount of time. But like, what are what are your thoughts on games as permission? Mm. No, I definitely do see that. Um, the the one of the big draws for playing a wider range of RPGs, I think, is to open yourself up to these wider range of uh, crystallized experiences because while there are generic systems that exist like GURPS that are designed to do everything or you can try and make Dungeons and Dragons do whatever genre you have in mind that's a thing (laughs) that you can do if you hate yourself but (laughs) (laughs) there are already existing systems out there that can give you the chance to be a fighter pilot or a um, steampunk airship privateer or uh, a rodent with a sword or whatever and uh, agents of hue specifically um because i don't think i really explained within record what agents of hue is it's a one pager where you are a group of spies um who are very queer (laughs) the the idea is that um you have a very kind of like uh, almost kind of like grinder profiles like style stat block where you talk about (laughs) your like Vaguely porn star real name, but you buy go by a color like oh uh, yes I um, Biff Slab Chest, but I go by Agent uh, Agent Scarlet, mm. and then you talk about your pride and your insecurity, and then you talk about your secret spy skill, and uh, to mirror hack the planet as I mentioned before, you have two stats fierce and fabulous, which I think is also similarly elegant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And then you go and solve, you defeat a mastermind by teaming up with your friends, revealing gadgets in your outfit and shamelessly flirting each other to do teamwork roles. And I think just by, you know, you could have all the mechanics in this game divorced from the narrative, but by saying, for example, that to do a teamwork, you have to do it with sizzling tension with your team member automatically gives it that subcurrent to let you be wild and kind of very carry on Austin Powers horny on main. I think you could probably play this game to be actually horny on main if you wanted to, but you'd have to do it with a really, really tight group of people. (laughs) Ain't nobody going to Gen Con and talking about how they've got their kind of like uh, a secret knockout gas hidden in their bussy compartment. Like that's like too much for strangers. Oh man, yeah. Especially, I think I don't think Gen Con is ready for that particular thing. <laughs> well, I mean, a room full of strangers in Gen Con. Some rooms, 
in Gen Con are very ready for that. I mean, like, I, if, if I could afford to go to Gen Con from the UK, if they give me permission to run Agents of Hue in their little RPG room, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> will you then encourage the bussy compartment? <laughs> no, it will be less spicy than that. It'll be less spicy okay, than okay. that. Well, it depends on whether they buy me a pint beforehand or not. Um, if all of them do, then it's going to be a wild session. <laughs> Ooh, they, I will say that the Ram is like right up the street from Gen Con and has powerful beers. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I will buy you a pint before the event if the if the if Gen Con doesn't, because I'm always there. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely like the idea of DMing being very similar to being like a drag queen, where you do your performance, which is running the session, but also you gently encourage the other people who are participating to buy you drinks and or snacks and or stuff <gasps> dollars into your g-string as you play i'm not judging <laughs> gosh I, I yes encouraging tips for the gm is, <laughs> is something i want to bring in 2020 <laughs> i mean it's three hours of work <laughs> at right? minimum. yeah so and, um, yeah that's that's like three hours for the session mm-hmm. who knows how long before that Oh yeah, in terms of pre-prep and things like that, for sure, for sure. I I will say that actually a thing I like about One Pages is that they are anti-pre-planning. Ooh, yeah, 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 because they're too late. Like you could, you could write out an entire scenario, but also you explain the game within five minutes on a single sheet of A4 paper. How much planning do you really need to do? Right, and that's that's refreshing because you know, uh, off the back of doing this mystery campaign that ran for, I think it ran like a full season of anime. It ran twelve sessions. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I, I think is probably the maximum of a campaign I will actually sensibly do these days. The length of a single season of anime. No running for yeah. something for a year. I can't. No, I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my favorite parts of VRE is that we get, we're done after, <laughs> like, you know, a dozen or so episodes. That's what mm-hmm. we You're like, ah, oh, I've explored the system to the fullest. We've told a nice character arc. And now let's put it into the box. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When, when you're doing plans like that uh, and having to write really big sweeping things for that, it's nice to actually have a one pager where you're just like, I'm just not going to plan. I'm going to make a, maybe print a list of names in advance because goodness knows I suck at coming up with names. Mm. But a list of names is is crucial to any AGM. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, speaking of that, like, what, what's it like to create a one page RPG? I mean, uh, is is it interesting of you? I think that's your only like full RPG that you've written, right? I have two actually. Two. Um, okay. I, I can buy that's my that was my first one. Okay. And then over the course of this year, I started working on a zine uh, called the Queer Cyberpunk's Guide to Tabletop RPGs, cramming three things I enjoy very much into one book. <laughs> it has a variety of things in there, including an, a, a big article on how to write mysteries but i wanted two one pages in there and i was like well okay so what's the other one then and i had recently been doing tabletop designing exercises with a friend Uh, a friend of mine david winterbottom does a podcast called roll on the adventure where over the course of about two hours we make a short rpg from scratch and then test it in some subsequent sessions uh not all of them are good and that's kind of the point (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it's just throwing things into the wind, seeing if they stick, and sometimes you come up with some really, really dope shit. But there was that last one that we played involved playing cards, and I really like those as a different form of randomness to dice rolling. Because uh, if you count cards, then there's a strategy to it. And I was like, okay, so what would I do if I was doing a one-pager about that? And what's a a thing that I want to explore in a one-pager? And I was like, oh, I really like media where where you perform an art and then you use that to fight. So whether that's like 
dance battles or it's like Kubo and the two strings where you can kind of play your Koto and then you can attack or it's like Jam and the holograms except everybody has knives and I'm like <laughs> yeah or um, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, that that JRPG that is specifically yeah. about pop stars being able to fight negative vibes and I'm like mmm love that shit oh <laughs> so good so I, I wrote an RPG about that called Lethal Manicure um, where you are uh, a group of people participating in an intergalactic performance battle contest. And uh, the main mechanic in that is that one of you, you all have a hand of cards, and then one of you calls out how many attacks in the chain you're going to do. And then you have to play cards one after the other, like Uno, where they need to match in either ascending or descending order or switching suits, but the same number, uh, and to match that call out. So you get big scores if you manage to do a large chain, but the larger chain you do, the harder it is for it to happen. And I'm like, that seems like a neat idea. I wrote that in an afternoon. I wrote that in about two hours with maybe an huh. hour sometime in the future to kind of proofread. Wow, that's that sounds really cool. It's a really cool, like fighting mechanic. I haven't Got tested me. it. I haven't <laughs> tested it yet. It might be really bad. Um, <laughs> but that's the secret. Uh, I think that's the liberating thing about one pages is that you don't necessarily need to test them. They're very much popcorn. Uh, Grant yeah. Howard, for all of the all of the RP one pages that he's put out into the world, he doesn't play test them before he puts them out. Like that's antithetical to the process of creating them in his mind. And I think that's good. <laughs> you know, you don't. There's a degree to which, like, you can you can like paint a picture or do some fan art or whatever, and you make it, and then you might go over a process and kind of like do some corrections to it, but you don't like balance patch a painting yeah. after it's done. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. That sort of is along the same lines of like it, it's conveying a certain idea, and that's that's what I was talking about with like the games as permission thing. Like, as long mm -hmm. as you've written it to say like this is the world you need to occupy, like balance who cares <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i mean there's definitely some game experiences out there that care a lot about making sure that the things that you do are balanced with each other and the threats that you have to face but that's the um that inherent struggle is the point the conceit of the system um right. whereas you know the ones that kind of are based on war games usually the ones that use minis a lot care about balance that makes sense you'd want to mm -hmm. make sure that uh when you're investing in that game that you have a fun and fair time had by all but when it's a single throwaway experience uh what like board game people describe as a beer and pretzels game yeah you don't need to worry about like it being balanced and if you're with cool guys and you run into a circumstance where you're like this is an edge case you just make a thing up. You've been yeah. making things up for like the last hour. You can make up a rule as well. The tabletop RPG police aren't going to kick down your door and say, Timmy, you aren't playing this game rules as written. You're going to tabletop jail. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like the fact that I've I've done all these seasons of VRE has really put me on a different, like, I, I'm very much of that regard of like, throw it away, like immediately, as soon as mm -hmm. any any mechanic either compromises fun in some way or doesn't allow somebody to do something cool it's just like okay that's gone and now we're just making stuff up because that's what we're that's what we're doing it's just like some light like rules should really just be a boundary for everybody to sort of ha have a shared way of creating right like that's mm -hmm. and a one pager is is like a, a very bare bones fence <laughs> as, a, oh, as opposed gosh, to like yeah. the the like security complex that is D and D. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to write an RPG, a one pager yourself, uh, the easiest way to do it is to a think of like a specific experience you want the players to have. 
um, whether that's being terrified by ghosts coming through the floor or it's the first day of school and we need to get to school on time and we need to run there with toast in our mouths. That's a very important part of the experience. <laughs> Roll for toast carrying. Somebody specs and baguette because they're hardcore. <laughs> or, I don't know, like, um, a lot of people like to use short film RPGs to tell really sad, morose stuff, kind of like, oh, maybe the, the thing is, like, you're getting over the loss of a loved one and you're all kind of discussing together the, the moments in time where you all connected with this dead individual. So you think about that concept. Yeah. I mean, even that is, like, a permission to let certain feelings sort of sit. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realizing that you can be sad in an RPG is absolutely a thing. I'm a massive goofball. Um, <laughs> I, I find it very difficult to write serious things. However, I will absolutely play a game for horror. Um, I, I learned relatively recently that I very much enjoy horror games and grossing people out in the way that's safe and fun to be had by all. Uh, we have a session zero <laughs> discussion. It's very, it's very, it's, there's aftercare. It's all good. I'm not a monster uh, much. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we can have those experiences. And then it's like um, thinking what kind of resolution system you want to use, whether if you're already familiar with D20s and rolling above and under 10 or above and below 15, you can just do that. You don't need to like revolutionize the wheel in terms of how the right. dice work. And then you've got your one pager. Uh, maybe put a randomized roll table there so you can determine the scenario or how you build your player characters and you're done. It's like super easy. <laughs> and then when you want to go into it and kind of like I, the, the nirvana of it, I think, is having the mechanics inform the theme. Uh, if you can achieve that whereby doing the dice rolling or whatever resolution mechanic, you feel the emotions that your character is supposed to feel in the circumstance. So that's when you've got it. That's when you're there. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> I'm I'm taking it's sort of like a right turn now into this question, but no, uh, go for it. Uh, and it's sort of antithetical to this whole discussion that we're having. But if you could fix in quotation marks anything in a game, what would it be? Hmm. I had a little bit of a think about this earlier, and then I was like, oh no, but I just kind of like I, I definitely play uh, rules as permissions and kind of just do whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, I can think of a good example. So I play Shadowrun Anarchy a lot uh, because regular Shadowrun isn't fun, like, at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> mm, uh, and Anarchy is built in a way that it tries to get all the mechanics of the mainline game and make them simplified into easier dice rolls. But in doing so, uh, not all of the systems that they want to include actually pare down neatly and some pare down broken. And the mm. game's already in print now, so the game is just broken out of the box. And it's great... <laughs> It's great for people like me who are really willing to tinker and change things uh, to make it do what they want. And the people that want a very complete experience out the box hate the book. Um, and that's fair. I can definitely understand that. <laughs> but um, there's a rule in it for teamwork. And uh, the way that teamwork works is that if two people are working together, one person can roll a relevant skill and they can give a finite number of hits over to the other person in terms of dice. So then the person actually taking point rolls with increased number of dice, but the increased number of dice is hard limited by your own, by the person who's taking points skills. Hmm. So say uh, you have, you're trying to pick a lock and your lock picking skill is three and somebody's trying to help you and they roll like 12 dice and get six of them as hits. You only get three of those maximum. And I'm like, that's not anime enough. I oh. hate that. So <laughs> that's not anime enough. <laughs> I just kind of house ruled that all hits that people get in teamwork roles, the dice that you get, even if that's horrendously broken, because you get into a circumstance where everybody works together to do something and then somebody's rolling like 20 dice and it's so good. <laughs> yeah. 
Nothing wrong with that. That's horrendously <laughs> broken. You're definitely going to succeed at the thing that you're supposed to do, but why wouldn't you want that, where everybody right. works together for a big combo attack? You played Glitter Hearts. You know how dope a combo <laughs> attack is. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like, you can build up to that, and yes, it, yes, if you are guaranteed success at the end of this long path, that's okay. Everybody at the table will scream and shout and have a great time. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so th- those kind of changes. I, I, I do definitely enjoy systems that actually have teamwork roles that are involved and require actual large-scale input. Uh, there's a system called Axon Punk. It's a cyberpunk system that was kickstarted a couple of years ago. They're nice guys, <laughs> the, the people who put, put that together. I've uh, run one of their scenarios, or a scenario I wrote in that system before. It was a fun time. But the way that dice work in that game is it's a D100 system where you're kind of like adding your dice roll plus your stats together to reach a number. And, you know, hitting 100 is kind of like, you know, maximum strength you can roll above that but it's relatively difficult to do unless you work in a team then it's really really easy to go over 100 (laughs) percent. and if that's not the most fucking anime thing you've ever heard love it Mm. love that yeah more more of those anybody who's listening to this is writing big bigger like bigger than one page tabletop rpg stuff and you're like how should i do teamwork make it big make it give me dual dual techs if you combine some skills together for a dope third skill, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, that gets my fires burning. Love that. <laughs> together, everyone achieves more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Socialism, the RPG, you say? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've had bad experiences with uh, tabletop RPGs that focus themselves on being specifically party political. Oh, they've they've tried. I don't think any have actually succeeded yet. I'm sure one day somebody will manage to find a way uh, to talk about being woke in a mechanical context. But so far, nobody yeah. has succeeded. Right. Like, so that's uh, that's exactly what I was thinking about. I was like, how does how would you translate that? Because you have to have like it can't just be like behave socialismly. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's there's got to be more framework than that and I've, there, I there, are, there are a couple out there the one that immediately come to mind is called uh sigmata colon this signal kills fascists which immediately got a large amount of heat for just the inherent name in the thing it's a post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. cyberpunk game uh where you are people trying to rise up against an authoritarian state uh and you get superhuman powers by being within the distance of a broadcast signal so you kind of have to have like a dj professor k like out of jet set radio powering you guys up and it's all about being able to connect up the speakers so you can go superpower them like ah oh, that sounds really cool really yeah. into that love being powered by the power of music that's all my shit <laughs> and then i read more about it and then it becomes a weird thing about having to ally with um problematic groups of people and making compromises to do certain things because that's the way the guy who wrote it is politically. So big chunks of the book are a mixture of world building and also the author's own political opinions committed to print. And I guess that's fine. I'm sure there are people that would find that a really, really interesting read, but unfortunately that kind of spoilt it for me. Uh, Yeah. it's, It's one thing whenever you try to look up a game and all you kind of find out about it are the um the e-drama about the book existing and not actually about how it plays is usually a red flag (laughs) yeah yeah nobody's like this is rad and then also has this thing that i'd like to change it's just it's just all Mm -hmm. what about this it's it's all slap fighting about about (laughs) internet politics which (laughs) 
Maybe, mm, maybe there should be a tabletop RPG about internet slap fighting. I think that would be a fun parody game to write. Mm, <laughs> Something to get on yeah. that. Ooh, yeah. Uh, any anyone in earshot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roll to make a scathing vine. I do feel like the homework assignment after this episode for everyone listening should be write a one page RPG. Just yes, uh, <laughs> please write an absolutely terrible one page RPG and tweet us both about it because I would love yeah. to read it. <laughs> uh, so speaking of tweeting us, uh, how how about? Where can people find you so they can tweet at you? Oh my gosh! Um, well, <laughs> you can find a little old me on the internet on Twitter. Um, I have a personal Twitter at WriterBlades, but if you want to kind of follow all my projects in that, there's a specific account at PhantomArtsEnt. Phantom Arts Entertainment is the kind of name that I use to do all of my stuff. Uh, you can find the zine, the Queer Cyberpunk Guide to Tabletop RPGs, on itch.io. And you can see me occasionally stream tabletop RPGs on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash the neoncaster. I am very, very bad about having consistent branding. I went under <laughs> many, many usernames in my youth. I can't be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, I think we've all been there. I think we've yeah. All been there. <laughs> I mean, yours are totally radical. So you've got that on me because I have some stinkers from oh from no some past. of my old stuff is real bad the stuff that i used to make sprite <laughs> comics under when i was 15 mm -mm. Mm. i used to be named after my battle network oc uh they were called oh. personal characters back in 2005 <laughs> but this all sounds rad what do you oh <laughs> uh, no 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 <laughs> all right well thank you so much for being on the show this was a wonderful discussion Oh, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope we play a game again soon. I, anytime. I'm down for it. Yay. Absolutely. <laughs>again to nathan blades you can follow him at writer blades on twitter or you know any of the other places he just listed if you had infinite time and infinite money what would you make now follow up is there a way you can make that happen some kind of way maybe as a one-page rpg for instance think about it uh related your homework this week is to write a one-page rpg i know uh tweet it to me at logan jenkins and don't forget to tag nathan too at writer blades I will retweet every one pager I get and I'll try to boost your signal as much as I can. Um, I know this is a huge ask, but also I believe in you and you can do this. Extra credit. I'm yeah. In case you don't turn in that whole assignment, you can get some extra credit here. We have extra credit now. Tip your GMs. Yeah. If you want to hear more from me, check out very random encounters, a podcast where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomize as much as is possible. Game mechanics is part of the orange groves. Check out theorangegroves.com to support this and other great shows on the network. And until your next checkup, that'll be 2750. Bye.